Hi, hello, and welcome to K Out and About, the podcast about my random travel occurrences. This is still season one, and finally, episode 24 The Canny House. It has been ages. Probably shouldn't even try to talk about what has been going on around us these days. I managed to have several mental breakdowns, successfully defend my second master thesis get a complete work burnout, get addicted to memes, and I drink kombucha now. I actually make my own kombucha now. So yeah, hoping you're able to keep your minds busy as well and staying healthy. I live in Sweden now, so it feels uh, probably a bit different to most of the countries. There was no or there is no lockdown here. Um, It was just a uni and work from, from home, so not really huge change. So I will, yeah, without further ado, I will go back to the past now, back to my first month in London, starting February 2006. I told you already that I came to London with a job in my pocket and £150. I got picked up from the Wimbledon station and taken straight to HR, signed all what needed signing, and then I got driven to the staff house. And I already told you about that house. I don't know how I was able to last there for a year and a half, but hey, today I will tell you more about the hotel. And oh, it was a special place. Tiny boutique little thing used to be called Canizara House. The house is is still called this, so you can find it on Google Maps. But the hotel has changed hands and is called something else now, so I don't feel bad naming it as it was called then. Not sure if I'm allowed though. Well, who cares? The name comes from Count San Antonio, who was living in the then-called Warren House in the first half of the 19th century. He then became the Duke of Canizaro in Sicily and left with his mistress living behind the Duchess of Canizaro, and the estate kept the name, only slightly changing the spelling, it's just one Z. Lord Tennyson, Oscar Wilde, and Henry James have apparently stayed at the house. In any case, the place taught me many new things about the UK, the hotel industry, and me. Canizaro House was, and still is, quite pretty, and due to the location, perfect for for Wimbledon tennis. Speaking of which... That was the first time I heard the word fortnight, which means two weeks, not four weeks, not four nights, no, two weeks. No clue where the logic is. I got to see quite a few famous people, but unfortunately, since I don't know much about tennis, the only person I have recognized was Steffi Graf. But that's just tennis. We also had musicians, some TV presenters, And I have to brag about it as much as I can uh, until the day I die. Piers Brosnan. Oh my lord, what a charming guy. He laughed once at my joke. He kissed me on the cheek when he was leaving. I also have at least one embarrassing story connected with him. One is mine. It was raining one evening when he was leaving the hotel and I just rushed to the entrance to, you know, open an umbrella for him so the poor guy didn't get wet while walking the few meters to the cab. 
it would have been great, except I picked up a broken umbrella, and the bugger wouldn't open, no matter how hard I tried. I could just see Pierce Brosnan walking by while I was struggling with it until it blew up in my hands the other way around. He just looked, smiled, and if my memory serves me right, he just said, oh, don't worry about it. Another situation, uh, this time it wasn't me, it was when the head housekeeper, a crazy woman called Gifty, melted his trainers in the dryer. When she was later telling me the story, she didn't know if she should cry or laugh, so she was doing both. Basically, he went for a run, and since it was muddy, he asked housekeeping to clean his trainers. So she personally put them in the washing machine and then in the dryer, forgetting that they were kind of industrial strength, and the trainers just melted. She then went to his room, ready to confess, but... <laughs> He opened the door wearing just a towel, you know, because he was either out of the shower or just getting into the shower. So she couldn't talk. She could only stutter. She didn't really remember what happened then. Uh, knowing her, she probably just started crying and apologizing. And he just smiled, you know, and said, don't worry about it. Then um, we had this band staying, the Waterboys. Um, they only had one hit which I actually knew, uh, The Hole of the Moon. Nice song from the mid-80s. Um, we needed to make sure certain band members didn't cross paths because they were not talking to each other. So they got rooms at opposite sides of the hotel. You know, this is the kind of stuff that you find out. Um, however, the highlight for me was someone else. My favorite actor since I was 12. Although I never considered him a great actor. You know, just a good-looking one until I saw him on stage in the theatre in London in uh, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. He was good. He was actually good. Um, the, all, all the actors got a standing ovation. Uh, I'm talking about no other than Christian Slater. For the younger generation, he's the father in Mr. Robot, but he was 20 in... He, uh, he was in his 20s in the 90s, okay? So, you know, when I was young and impressionable. So he actually checked into the hotel on my shift, and I was the only, the one uh, to show him to his room. Oh, and I did feel like a 15-year-old. Um, I still feel like a 15-year-old every time I think about it. Um, I do appreciate the fact when famous people are kind of normal and they look exactly like on the big screen. It kind of, you know, gives them a bit of credibility. And he was, yeah, just like that. Just the normal, exactly like you see him on the screen, Christian Slater. We also had some famous TV presenters who I never heard of. Only later I found out uh, how known they were, actually. Richard and Judy. And again, it was Gifty who completely lost it. It was the first few months I was there and I didn't know everybody that well yet. Um, it was the morning checkout and Gifty was loitering around reception. She whispered to me that she was waiting for Richard and Judy to come down and, you know, check out. As I mentioned before, no clue at the time who they were. So, you know, I clearly did not recognize them when they came up to the desk and they asked me to check out. And I was like, oh, which room were you in? Apparently everybody in the hotel seemed to know except me which rooms they were in. While they were checking out, 
Gifty started, you know, her little speech about how she admires them, getting out of breath from the excitement, and then Richard comes closer to her and shakes her hand, and she lost it. She started waving her hand in front of her face as if she needed some air and just kept repeating, Richard, oh Richard, oh my God, oh Richard. It was both touching and hilarious. And I knew straight away, Gifty was going to be one of my favorite people in the hotel. I was not wrong. Many laughs that I had at that hotel were shared with her. Not to mention the secret access to the lost and found. When you work at a hotel or a gym, but I can only speak from experience of the hotel side, uh, there's a thing called lost and found. Without going into details, I have Prada sunglasses, Ted Baker suit cover, and a Mont Blanc pen. Yes, you heard right, a Mont Blanc pen. Could never buy one. Not that I couldn't afford one at a time, but I don't think I would ever spend that much money on a pen, seriously. And that wasn't all. As long as I was living in the UK, I had plates and cutlery from Villeroy and Boch, or however you pronounce it. Um, I still have a kitchen towel from the hotel, a fork, a knife, and a spoon. Villeroy and Boch, obviously. Um, I didn't take all the plates with me to Sweden. It would have been a little bit too much. And as long as I worked at the hotel, I never bought any toilet paper or sugar for the house. But going back to the hotel. Uh, there were not that many rooms, um, around 40 as far as I remember. Uh, the building was uh, apparently in Edwardian style, not that I know much about architecture, but it was really nice. I came to like it over time and it's really picturesque when you first see it. The rooms were in the same style. Uh, I have actually checked out the current website and there have been some renovations going on because the rooms look totally different. While I was at Kanizaro, only, I think, three or four rooms got renovated and, well, the effects were confusing. One of the suites got a very simple oriental feel, mainly Japanese, I would say, as a totally non-expert. But some of the other rooms, um, one of the basic ones got a wallpaper covered in women's figures uh, dressed as, you know, they did in Edwardian times. But at a first glance, when you walked into the room, it would give you creeps because it looked like the wallpaper was just full of weird dolls looking at you and all of them were pink. Yes, pink. The whole wallpaper was fucking pink. The other suite was changed into something I can only call an introduction to bondage. The wallpaper was dark. At the entrance, you had this weird burgundy plush chaiselong. A lot of feather finishes. The only thing that was missing was a set of cuffs hanging on the four-poster bed, if you know what I mean. I actually slept in some of the rooms quite a few times. Well, twice I slept on the floor. Uh, that would happen when I had to work an additional shift and there were too few hours for me to go home and, you know, sleep. And so I could sleep in the room uh, that was potentially being occupied. So hence the floor option. Uh, but even my parents stayed at the hotel once or twice, uh, obviously as guests, not on the floor, not sleeping on the floor. The second side of the hotel business, apart from the rooms, was events, christenings, small makings, wakes and bloody weddings. 
This is how I discovered that an English wedding, at an English wedding, you have to pay for your own fucking alcohol. Outrageous generally for a, a Polish person like me. I don't know how it is in other countries, but it was very new and awkward to me. I was like, what do you mean you come to a wedding and you pay for your own alcohol? How? Why? <laughs> but I'm digressing. Uh, we even had something called um, an exclusive wedding option, which meant the hotel was yours for 24 hours. All the hotel rooms or the meeting rooms, everything. You still had to pay for anything additional, though, for example, like a band or alcohol. As I have mentioned in an earlier episode, I started on reception. And I also told you that I lied about my previous experience. So I was very focused to get the gist of it all ASAP. It wasn't rocket science, but it was a tiny reception. So a lot of times we were on our own. And I don't have to tell you, you know, that in a hotel like that, four stars, in a, you know, nice Wimbledon location, people have freaking expectations. There was one guest, I'm not going to say a name, (laughs) I actually do remember his name, an elderly gentleman, not from the UK, uh, that would always arrive in a fancy old car with his driver, butler, uh, who knows, and they actually always shared a room, and he always wanted the same room, no way around it. Basically, his dress style, I mean, he was just missing the top hat, like, this is the, the look out of today completely this guy would give you 20 quid tip just when you open the door for him or just for saying hello so as you can imagine all of us at reception we were always super happy when he was arriving we actually had quite few regulars who would stay with us even a few times a month and this is how i learned about the rack rates and the corporate rates and i'm i'm always very suspicious about prices when i visit hotels As I said, um, might have said, the key to the job was to learn about the many quirks of, you know, our guests. Um, We had to, well, we should remember them. That was actually key to everyone's jobs, like the waiter, the bartender, the housekeeper, the receptionist. So if you were our regular guest, you could rest assured that you always got the same newspaper that you wanted, the same treatment for breakfast, because it was always the same guy on breakfast duty during the week, and he remembered how you like your eggs. The interesting thing about working in a hotel is that you're kind of living in a small village, obviously depending on how big the hotel is. This one was relatively small. Everyone knows each other. Many people live with each other. As I said, we did have two stuff houses. um, And I met people there that became friends for life. And shout out to Annette and Pascal. Those two kept me sane the whole time. Um, Actually, shout out to everybody that I worked there with. Um, Many have impacted my life in many different ways. And also because many of us lived together, worked together, partied together. There were also many that slept with each other as well. Oh, and the gossip that went around. It would probably be enough for a good soap TV show. I'm, I'm sure there's one or two already. Um, who, with whom, with what, and when. We didn't spare anybody from gossip. Even the general manager. He used to stay at the hotel, always on the ground floor. 
and one of the other managers of the opposite sex was seen quite often on that corridor, as I said many times, at all odd hours, like even in the middle of the night. Initially, I was working at a reception, but one of the night managers convinced me to apply for the night manager position. He was planning to leave and wanted to find someone to replace him. At first, they didn't want to let me because, you know, working at night on your own might be slightly dangerous and I'm of the female disposition. As it turned out, they let me do it in the end because, I don't know, I was insisting. For whatever reason, I got the job. Um, And for most part, it was very uneventful. The bartender and I would just, you know, sit at the bar once all the guests were gone, drink some Coke, smoke some ciggies, talk for hours... I often had a nap or two, and since there was no Wi-Fi at the staff house, I would bring my laptop to work and download South Park Torrents all night long. So most of the time, uh, totally boring, except for occasional weddings, uh, obviously the all-nighters, and oh yeah, one or two break-ins. That was actually not that funny. Uh, I almost caught the two guys that stole some wine because I started chasing after them, but then I realized, shit, I'm on my own. There are two of them. Let me call the police first. But um, I think uh, I have mentioned uh, in one of the podcasts before, hospitality industry tends to have a huge turnaround. I only worked there um, for, what, a year and a half? And in that time, we changed the general manager, most of the management on the floor. Only people in the offices tended to stay longer. Well, and some other exceptions. And I think I mentioned the breakfast uh, waiter, Owen. When I started, he already worked there for a few years. And when I was leaving the UK and went to see Canny House for the last time, he was still there. That does not happen very often. And he was always on time while I was there. He never called in sick, always around, you know, 5.30 in the morning to get the breakfast going at 6. No clue how he did it, but it's something I do admire. Definitely not uh, achievable for me. Um, I do sometimes miss those uncomplicated times, this, you know, uncomplicated life, work at the hotel. Uh, Futures seem seem to be very far away and no adulting was necessary. So, yay, good times. But, yeah, they're over. (laughs) Next time, because we're ending the story of the hotel now, next time I will tell you more about the culture in the UK, or rather the differences between the British and the continental. Actually, let me call the next episode exactly that. The British and the Continental. Thanks for listening and until next time.